Hi everyone and welcome to Avid Travel with Britton Frost. I of course am your host Britton Frost. Today we've changed up the podcast format a little bit. Not drastically but this podcast is quite significantly longer than most of the ones that I do. Uh, Most podcasts I do are between 20 and 30 minutes. This one is 45, around 45. And I personally like the longer format better. Um, But I would love to know what you all think. Uh, because if it's not working, obviously that's something that I would like to know. But we have a great interview. We're joined by Catherine Bonner from Tauk to talk about kind of the history of Tauk, what they offer, what they do differently. And then also they're releasing a new ship that will be cruising the Douro in 2020. Uh, the first sailing is in April of 2020. And uh, we talk about that for a little bit as well. So it's a great interview, but it is a little bit longer than most just because we had a lot of ground to cover and uh, we had a great time. So I can't wait to get into that. But before that, we're going to do our cruise news segment. First, we have uh, Viking. We have a lot of new ships. So uh, last week, of course, I announced that Tauk was doing this new ship on the Doro called Andarina. And um, I'm not going to go back into that because you'll get all the information that you need throughout the podcast um, with Catherine. But just know that that is something that's happening. And then we also have Viking launching seven new ships this year. Um, They're also introducing a new itinerary, excuse me, two new itineraries this year. And then also some new pre and post cruise extensions. And you can find those on the blog on River Cruise Advisor. And then we have Uniworld launching four new ships next year in 2020. Um, those will be one ship in Egypt, one in Portugal, one in Vietnam and Cambodia that will sail the Mekong. And then also um, there is a, a new-ish ship. It's going to be a complete redesign and renovation of um, the River Countess that is already in the fleet, and that will sail in Venice. So again, that is on the blog as well if you would like to read more about that. And lastly, we have Riviera River Cruises, who will launch two new ships this year as well. Um, Those will be launching in April. So that is the MS William Wadsworth and the MS George Elliott. Um, And they will both sail in April, as I said, and you can read more about those on the sites as well. I won't get too much into it because, as I said, we have quite a long episode today, um, but those are kind of the highlights of the week. And without further ado, I think that we should go ahead and get into our interview with Catherine. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So. Catherine Bonner today, who is the Senior Vice President at Tauk River and Ocean Cruising. How are you today? Other I'm than very cold. Keep, yes, <laughs> and keeping warm. Um, you, I, I'm very excited to have you here to talk about Tauk because you have announced a new ship, which we'll get into later. Um, but 
I, I don't, I'm not super familiar with your product. I mean, obviously I do a lot of research for it for the sites, but I've never been on one of your cruises. So I'm interested to hear like what kind of insider info you have. Um, but I, why don't we just start by you kind of giving a little bit of the history of your company? Cause I know you've been operating for over 90 years. So. Yeah, sure. So thank you very much. It's lovely to be speaking with you today. Um, and just by way of some background, Tauk has been in business now for 93 years um, as a family-owned company, and the third generation of the Tauk family now um, is involved in the company. And we started really in guided touring in North America, and really in the 1990s got um, into at first more touring worldwide and then into small ship cruising and river cruising. And um, it wasn't actually until 2006 that we built our first boat specifically for um, Tauk guests and now have a total of eight river boats in Europe. Um, what's important to know is that it's a family-owned company and so people are laser focused on get, on providing a great guest experience so that when we went into river cruising we looked for a partner that could help um and have that same sort of focused on on the guest and what the guest experience was going to be and um, we actually partner with another family-owned company in Europe to provide our guests with that great experience yeah, and I think that, you know, the fact that you talk about the experience, I was telling my dad, you know, my dad is Ralph, I don't know if you know him, but um, we, I was talking to him earlier about about your company, and he, he was just like, you know, as far as tours go, they are one of my favorite companies just because of that history and that the amount of time that you all have been doing it, but he gave an example of, you know, so you fly in and you're in a city with a certain guide, but then they're with you for the whole trip too. And so I think how does that sort of focus on this family owned company and the guest experience, and then also having this company that's been around for so long that has so much knowledge, how does that really enhance the guest experience on, on the cruise? Well, I'm glad you mentioned um, the Tauk tour directors because I think they're fundamental to understanding um, the company and how we go about crafting the experience. Our tour directors have um, a total of uh, about 10 years of experience with Tauk. They are um, employees. They work for, for Tauk. In fact, we're getting ready to meet 240 of them, um, come in once a year for a seminar, and actually, so we're all getting together in uh, a week and a half. And those TAUC tour directors are really fundamental because, yes, we go um, into a particular location and you'll meet a local guide, and there'll be maybe 15 or 20 of you in that local guide group. And many companies do um, offer that same experience. What makes ours different is that you also have the TAUC tour director with you. And their job is just the, the care for our guests to make sure that they get the most out of their travel experience. So they'll find out what 
you know, why the guests chose this particular tour cruise, um, what they're hoping to experience so that they can make sure that they can deliver on that. Yeah. And I, I mean, it shows, obviously, because I know that my dad has taken a lot of cruises and for him to pinpoint that specifically and say, you know, their tours are so strong because of that is mm-hmm. is a comp- is a great compliment to you all and a testament to, you know, how well that works. Right. I think on specifically on river cruising, um, those we have three TAUC tour directors in addition to a cruise director on board. And so they're making sure all the logistics are done and then, then going out with our guests each day to hen- enhance their experience. And that's, I think, the difference between Tauk and another river cruise experience where, yes, there's a cruise director on board, but they don't have those three Tauk directors that are really taking care of the, each of the guests. Yeah, and I think that just having that separation of positions too. So yeah, like that, like you said, not one person has to worry about everything. Um, and then, I mean, as far as yeah, the tour directors are great, but what else does Tauk do differently than other river cruise providers? Well, uh, I think it part of it goes back to our heritage um, that we've been in this business for such a long time and have these great relationships with our supplier partners that we're able to deliver um, special access that not only would that cruiser not get on their own, but not get with another company as well. So that um, if you're in Prague, for example, and lots of river cruise companies go to Prague and they would go um, to the Prague Palace and they might go and see the Lobkowitz collection um, at the Lobkowitz Palace there in Prague, but they're probably not meeting with William Lobkowitz himself. Um, his his um, family has owned that palace since the 1500s, and William, um, who was actually born in the United States, um, and it's surprising to people because he, ha- he speaks with a little bit of a Massachusetts accent, will tell you about his his family history and answer guest questions and talk to them about for about 45 minutes in his palace. And then you dine there as well. Um, and so that's, yes, if you looked um, at a Tauk brochure and at a competitive brochure, they might say Lopkowitz Palace, but what you do there is very, very different. Yeah, the experience, it sounds more personal you know, getting to meet people. And I think that that's part of, you know, just in that specific example, that's part of what makes travel so interesting. For me, at least, I I really enjoy meeting people. And so having that personal experience and also having, you know, some of those anecdotes that you might not get otherwise is is a cool experience. Absolutely. So if you're in Vienna, you go to the Palais Palavicini and you often meet with the um, Eduardo, who's a prince whose family owns that palace. It's right in the middle of Vienna. Um, and you have a wonderful evening of entertainment and dinner, um, nice white glove Viennese service. And you're in a room, a Baroque sort of palace room where, you know, Mozart played. So you have this amazing 
um, opportunity to sort of take yourself back and imagine what it would really be like. Um, and that, that's, I, I think that's one of the pillars of um, the Tauk Riverboat experience, that special access. If you're in France on um, one of our French um, boats, we um, take you to the Louvre after hours. And anybody who's been to the Louvre recently in the last few years knows how crowded that can that it can be. Um, and the nice it is that you're there just with your 100 or so fellow um, river cruise passengers. So it's about that special access at Giverny um, where we go early. So you can roam the gardens at Giverny 45 minutes before anybody else kind of shows up. Um, so those are just some examples of where I think our special partnerships and supplier uh, relationships really pay off for TAUC and for the TAUC guests. And do you think that those relationships, I mean, you can probably accredit them to a lot of things, but is, is a lot of it just the fact that you're so, that you've been around for so long, do you think? Um, I think that might be part of it. I think the other part is that we have a great reputation. Um, we have a reputation for having long-term relationships with, uh, with our suppliers so that when we go to a potential new partner, um, you know, honestly and truly, Eduardo in Vienna has called up some of his other palace friends and advocated on behalf of Tauk so that we could get into um, pr- some private venues that we couldn't get into otherwise. So it's having that network that's really important and um, helps open doors for us. Yeah. And I mean, it's just right, like word of mouth. And I think that that's how a lot of a lot of passengers to to, to travel as well. So you have that from your um, partnerships, but then also from your guests who are speaking highly of the product too. Absolutely. Do you see a lot of repeat um, passengers as well as new passengers who have been referred by by past passengers? Uh, repeat passengers are um, the foundation for Talc, and that's that's why we're so laser focused on guest experience um, because repeat is really important and word of mouth. We don't. You're not going to find us um, on television advertising. Um, we really rely on our uh, travel agent partners and on word, and very importantly, on word of mouth from our repeat travelers who then tell their friends and their family. Um, I, I think another aspect of those those travelers too is that they meet like-minded travelers on board. You know, when you um, I'm I'm in the category of empty nester now, and um, it is not as easy sometimes to meet people as it was when, let's say, you're, you and your spouse or partner were um, raising children. And so meeting people when you travel and then traveling with them afterwards is a, a kind of a great sort of secret side benefit, I think, of traveling with Talc. Um, is that you get to to really enjoy um, your fellow travelers. Um, One way you also do that is that we tend to take a smaller number 
of guests on board our river cruises. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know, maybe your listeners know or don't know, that you're really limited in size of the river boats by the size of the locks that you can go through on the river. Um, and so the dimensions are pretty set. But obviously what you do within those dimensions makes the difference from one company to another. Um, and Tauk on our 110-meter vessels takes less than 100 passengers on board, where another vessel might take 125 or 130 passengers. So our cabins are larger, um, and there's just more room per, per passenger than you're going to find on a, a comparable size riverboat. And that creates, you know, we talked about family earlier. We're going to talk about family later, but it kind of creates that sort of bond, I think, when you're traveling in a small group, um, not necessarily for an extended period of time, but around a week, uh, 10 days, however long, 15 days, however long the cruise is, um, it, it creates kind of a familial community when you have such a small capacity, guest capacity. Yes, and you, it's, it's like you can't hide the way you can maybe on a, on a, a large um, ocean-going vessel. Um, you see the same people, you talk to them, you meet them at breakfast or lunch, and you start realizing that, um, you know, you have a lot in common with them. Um, and you trade, where have you been? Where have you traveled with before? What kind of experiences? And then you're sort of off and running and, and um, meeting them. And I think that's a, that is certainly a hallmark of travel in general, but in particular with Tauk. Yeah, I mean, people who have listened to the podcast before have definitely heard me say that I used to cruise with my dad on I, my first river cruise, I was 14. And then I did one when I was 16. And then I did one when I was 18. And one thing that I said every single time I went was that I wanted to know everyone's name by the time we were done, because I just really enjoyed meeting people that much and being able to bounce from at dinner from one table to another. So I, I love that you emphasize that and that, you know, because river cruising, especially, and you do see it in ocean cruising too, in small ship cruising, um, that you kind of create this group. But I think that on river cruising, you're creating a group as the entire, is the entire trip as the entire, um, passenger group of passengers. Whereas on a, on an ocean cruiser on a bigger ship, it might just be, you know, a few people who you'd stick with the entire time. Mm -hmm. I love that you um, traveled on river cruising as a teenager because, um, one of the brands at Tauk is our Bridges, which is our multi-generational um, product. And we offer um, right now four and soon five different itineraries um, on our river cruises in the summertime um, and a little bit at Christmas time as well for families. And it is a fabulous way to travel. It's grown um, in popularity and um, river cruising is a is great because you're not packing and unpacking. Um, I don't know about other people's kids, but mine seemed to lose things wherever we went. Um, and this is just a much easier way to introduce your children to Europe um, and have some fantastic experiences with them. And those talc directors 
are specially chosen on on our bridges trips because they like they like being more active they like having um, kids on board we have a family host that also helps um, as well as the cruise director with activities on board to make sure that the kids are um, engaged and entertained as well. And do you see children on those ships? Like when I say children, I mean under the age of 10, or is it mostly people that are, you know, young teenagers? Or Well, the sweet spot um, for bridges overall is between um, 10 and 14, I would say. You do see, um, we will take kids, um, we recommend not younger than eight, but we will take them until five because you see sometimes um, people use these types of vacations as um, uh, big reunions or to celebrate a big birthday or anniversary. And so you have big, larger family units sometimes, and there might be a younger one in that family unit. Yeah, and I like that you said, and this was a bit earlier, that, you know, um, it's such a great way to introduce children to Europe. And then when I did a Mekong cruise, I was 14. So I was really young in this area of the world that I had never been to. And we also had a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old or a six and eight. They were somewhere around there, but very young children. And I remember my dad talking to them and they said, you know, why wouldn't we bring our kids to do this? Because it is so easy. It's so convenient when you're traveling with a family to just be able to get on and off. As you said, not have to repack the suitcase, not worrying about leaving something behind in a hotel room or losing something. So I I love that. And how many of those bridges programs do you do a year or a season? On on River Cruise in particular, I think we have a total of 20 departures over the summer on the Seine, the Rhone, the Rhine, and the Danube. And I I mean, I'm going to circle back a little bit, too, because I really, I really appreciated that you brought that up. That's... um, that's something I focus a lot on family travel just because I'm young. I'm 23. So I feel like I still have the mentality of a teenager in some ways. But I'm going to circle back a little bit to some of the itineraries um, that we talked about earlier. And I know that you said that a lot of the experiences are unique just because of certain connections that you have. And, you know, maybe if you look at a brochure side by side, you may see some of the same itinerary, some of the same excursions. But is there anything that's super unique to your brand as far as like a specific itinerary or excursion? Or is it mostly just about curating those unique experiences through a more traditional itinerary? Well, I would say that Um, First of all, every single one of our river cruise itineraries has some sort of a special event off the boat. Um, Sometimes there's more than one, but there's at least one that is in some sort of a special venue. Um, We call them sparkling events, Um, and we've very carefully crafted those. Um, in addition to which we, um, we offer choice, um, on every single one of our itineraries, um, so that, you know, you mentioned that you're still pretty young. Um, so you're going to probably want to be more active than somebody might think of as a traditional river cruise taker. And I know your dad is, um, an, an avid cycler. And, um, so we 
we do offer um, guided biking um, on each one of our itineraries. You know, rivers um, offer some really nice, relatively flat areas to bike in, which is terrific. Um, we offer hiking um, once or twice in an itinerary. Um, and we, so we try to, to offer those active components not only on our bridges trips, but on each one of them. But if you looked for, gee, I might be an empty nester and I might want just a, um, a one-week um, cruise because I'm still working, um, those one-weekers, which we offer on each one of the rivers, um, tend to be also have more active components to them because the average age is probably a little bit younger. And that I just I like that you know this I I like everything that you're saying right now. I'm just blown away. Um, I really I want to go on a top cruise now. So sounds like you know this podcast has been a success so far um but you know i also really want to talk about i is there anything else you want to talk about as far as far as your product your fleet before we get to the new ship um the other things i just want to mention to you um in in addition to our tour directors which are fleet-wide and our special access um is that we're all inclusive and I know that word gets used or that phrase gets used a lot um, in cruising, but for a Tauk River cruiser, um, that really means that all of your beverages on board are included, um, all of your tips are included, there are no port charges, um, your transfers to and from from the airport are included, regardless of whether you buy your air through us. We'll come and pick you up at the train station if you come in through the train station instead. So um, truly, somebody could buy a Talc River cruise and then not have other expenses for the week that they're on board very easily. Um, that yep. actually led me to one more question before we move on. Um, you talked about, you know, if you took the train, do you see a lot of mostly um, um, American passengers or do you see European passengers as well on your, on your ships? Um, we see mostly North American, um, U.S., Canadian. Um, we do have Aussies that we'd love to have on board. Um, and then um, certainly some uh, folks from the U.K. Because we pretty much deliver everything in um, English, um, we do have some additional um, passengers from the, the rest of Europe, but that that's um, much less of our passenger count overall. And um, I guess we'll move on to the new ship now, if that's okay. okay. Um, I am excited about this ship because I love Portugal, and this ship is operating on the Douro River. Uh, its name is... And Arena, which you can tell the story behind that name, which I love. And I told a little bit of that story last week. But do you want to talk about the significance of the name a little bit? Sure. So um, I know very little Portuguese um, and uh, would apologize in advance for any Portuguese um, words that I don't pronounce correctly. But Andarina is a Portuguese um, word 
for a certain type of swallow, little bird. And this little bird comes back to its nest every year, the same nest, and mates um, for life with the same partner. And this symbol is used in Portugal to sort of represent loyalty um, and family. Um, and we love that that that's the connotation that, that this swallow, and you'll see little ceramic um, birds sort of in flight, if you will, um, symbols a lot if you start looking for them in Portugal. And um, that's what they, that's the symbol, and that's why they're used, and that's why we chose this particular name for our new boat. Yeah, and I was going to ask, why is the emphasis on family so important? I had written out that question, you know, before we did any of this. But family is something that we've been talking about for the past 20 minutes. It's it's a family-owned company. You have these bridges excursions for families. And so I feel like you've kind of answered that. But why on this ship specifically is that family tie so important? Well, I, you know, I think um, what well, we were looking for something, first of all, a different name. Um, and names, it, it's often diff- one of the hardest jobs we have is how are, what are we going to name this new vessel and what sort of connotations do we want to invoke with the name? And so I think this one is respectful to the area. The, um, the boat that we're building for the Doro is going to be different in some respects from the boats that we've built in other areas to kind of take um, advantage of the milder climate. At the same time, um, the loyalty or um, the fact that um, the mate for life or come back to the each to the same area every year sort of speaks to some of the things that are that a guest, a tau guest is going to find on this vessel that are the same as all the rest of our fleet. Um, same size cabins. The upper deck will still have our 300 square foot suites. Um, and most of the other cabins on board are 225 square feet. Um, so they'll, find, they'll feel at home um, in one respect. And yet they'll find some things that are different on the other hand and sort of um, more in keeping with the Portuguese setting. And I mean, just to just to add on to that a little bit, um, why the Duro? Like, why was that your next venture? Why was that something that you all wanted to do? Um, well, part of it is a, a push from our guests who are asking us to to look at other, other rivers. And, um, you know, we have products already and programs already in Southeast Asia that we think um, answer that market really well on land. Um, we do have um, been taking guests to Portugal for a long time, but really not investigating the Douro um, area very much. And um, when we did some sort of reconnaissance early on, um, we were just really taken with how beautiful the scenery is along the Douro, how different it is from any of the other rivers that we operate on now. You don't have 
Um, some of the, the big cities, you don't have some of the imperial sort of trappings that you find in old world Europe. But there's a nice serenity. There's some just gorgeous scenery. Um, there's great wine opportunities, um, fish, and different kinds of cuisine. And the Portuguese people themselves are so friendly um, and, and open and inviting that it, it makes the whole experience really special. And, yeah, I mean, I, when I've only been to Lisbon, and I've only been once. I haven't spent very much time in Portugal, and I think it is kind of one of those countries that maybe a lot of people haven't explored. But, I mean, just from being there for such a short time, like you said, the people were so nice. Um, it was just a really good cultural experience um, that, you know, a lot of times I think when you travel in Europe, especially going along some of those main rivers, um, you see not really the same thing because obviously every city is going to be different, but kind of just that history, you know, art, museums, things like that. And Portugal felt a little bit different for me. Um, because a lot of the times, you know, going down the Danube, of course, every city that you go to is amazing, but sometimes all the countries can blend together a little bit. Um, and so I think that Portugal is one of those ones that's really set apart from the rest. Yes. And you, um, I think most Americans um, don't know Portuguese wine very well and port wine. So there's a nice learning experience there. Um, you know, I always associated with the, the cheap wine that we drank in college because we didn't have any money. Um, but now I find there's a lot of really nice nuanced wine. There's green wine. There's different kinds of port. Um, we'll take our guests um, one day to learn how to make the port, different port cocktails that are available. There's some really great, lovely cuisine that's, that is different um, and during a walking tour in Porto, we'll take our guests for a couple of tastings on the way. Um, so they'll, um, you know, really get uh, an idea of some of the culture, some of the differences in Portugal. Um, there's also some uh, great medieval sites along the way. There's a, uh, a paleo museum and you see some of some cave paintings from um, prehistoric times there's a little bit of I think there's a little bit of a lot to offer honestly on um, on these trips and you definitely touched on my next question which was going to be you know what kind of excursions will we see I love the cocktail the port cocktail that sounds fun and the wine of course which is a really is there going to be a wine themed cruise or is that just going to be an excursion on a regular um, itinerary um I, I think you'll find that port and wine is going to be um really integral to the whole experience not just one day at a winery but we'll serve different portuguese wines in the evening um we like to do that every night anyway and um the maitre d' will come and tell you how he chose the particular white and red wines of that, that evening. So that, that'll be woven into kind of the everyday experience. There's also um, olives and, and 
olive oil, there's almonds, and almonds play a big part in sort of some of the cuisine as you get into the interior part of Portugal. So there's there's more to offer than than maybe people think. Yeah, I I think that that's definitely the case, even from my short time there. But it sounds like, I mean, as I've said, this is obviously going well, because now I really want to do a cruise. But this, you know, I just um, is, I, I know that we've talked a lot about what you all do differently, just in regular excursions. And you know, kind of the connections that you have. But what do you think you'll be doing differently on the Douro River in in uh, particular? How do you how will you differentiate from other operators on the river on that river? Um, so, in some cases, it's some of the choices that we'll offer, um, and you know, things like it's some hands on. Whether it's um, as I mentioned, doing those cocktails or the the tastings or a hike in the vineyards in very small groups. Um, having those talc directors on board is going to to be um, a, certainly a differentiator as well. Um, and then our actual physical um, ship will take um, a maximum of 84 passengers. And um, since we offer our Category one cabins with no single supplement, there will probably be less than 80 passengers on each departure. And um, that's quite a bit less than you'll find on others in the, um, on the Doro. And then we've, we've spent a lot of time with our um, ship builders talking about the top deck um, because I mentioned before the milder climate um, we will have a, um, a pool on board. Is it a, uh, you know, are you going to get your exercises in the morning by doing laps? No. Um, it's a smaller vessel. But we want to make sure that there's a place to cool off and in, really enjoy the climate. Um, we'll have more um, opportunities to dine on the top deck, um, have your favorite beverages on the top deck, and things like that. So, we will be kind of revealing what the design's going to be a little bit later um, as we get closer to um, launching the product. But it will be that top deck will have a different ambiance and experience than in a, the rest of our fleet. And just as you said, closer to the release, um, it's set to release when? Um, well, our first trip will be uh, April 3rd of um, 2020. And, um, you know, and actually we have quite a number of folks who are already kind of on the list um, mm -hmm. as, as they heard our announcements. But our full brochure and um, all the details come out on our website in about a month. And we'll cover that on River Cruise Advisor for all the listeners, just so you know, whenever that does happen. Um, I just, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add about that about that ship? I think we've um, done a really good job covering it, but yeah, I think so. Um, to just to mention the fact that um, there are three different itineraries that we are offering. One that's our what I would call a traditional Tauk itinerary, which has two nights in Lisbon, two nights in Madrid, and a seven night cruise in the middle. One, um, as I mentioned before, for those folks that don't have as much time, 
um, is just a seven-night round-trip Porto. And I should tell you that there's also new lift coming, I think, from Delta, from New York. You can fly direct to Porto, which you couldn't do before, uh, which is always nice. And then we also have a Bridges, that multi-generational product, um, has a number of departures in the summer with two nights in Lisbon and a five-night cruise. And I do want to touch on, on one more thing, which is the top deck of that ship. And I just, because of the people who followed this podcast, the people who follow my stories, I wrote a story on Avid Cruiser, which is our ocean cruise site, about there's more fun than to be had on the top deck. Speaking to ocean cruise ships, pools, water slides, things like that. On a riverboat, however, the complete... I, I throw that statement out the window completely. My favorite thing to do is just sit on the top deck and watch everything go by. And the Duro Valley is so beautiful. And I think that that is a great addition that you're that you're going to incorporate that outside time and that top deck. Because... One thing that, sorry, one thing that's important also to know about the Duro is that at least for now, they prohibit sailing at night. So that means that you actually do have more daytime scenic sailing because you can't move, you know, a lot of times um, river cruise itineraries will use the, the evening and the nighttime to, to get from one destination to another, but you can't do that on the Doro so that you get to enjoy the scenery going by each day, which I think is just a delightful addition to um, the Doro experience. Absolutely. And that as a traveler is one of my favorite things to do is just take it all in. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's been really, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on Avid Travel with Britain Frost. I hope you all have a great week and we will see you next time. Bye.